Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Latest Shiny. Uh, this is Rob Hirschfeld. I am driving uh, without my co-host, so we'll probably take some more jigs and jags, and I have to do my own timekeeping. Uh, so we'll figure that out as we go. Uh, somebody here will help me keep it short. Um, uh, joining me today is Chris Short, who uh, I know mainly because he's doing this amazing job with DevOpsish, this newsletter, uh, Telegram group, just building a community around it um, that is just you know sincere and present, and I, I've really been enjoying that. And you have a day job too uh, with Red Hat doing OpenShift um, on the, the OpenShift team, which is actually why we called you up to get you on. Um, because I've been struggling with operators and whether they're a good, frankly, whether they're a good idea or not. And so, Chris, can you give us a little background and then and then help enlighten me as to why everybody sure. should be writing operators? So, I mean, not everyone should be writing operators, but um, <laughs> if they make sense for you, you should definitely write it. But essentially, operators are, you know, like DevOps is like a culture and a pattern. Operators are based on a pattern. The operator pattern was created by uh, CoreOS before the Red Hat acquisition. Uh, and since the acquisition, we have embraced it wholeheartedly and have built uh, hundreds of operators to run our Kubernetes platform, OpenShift, in you know, pretty much any cloud environment. So the idea behind an operator is that you essentially write uh, either as code in Go or Python or Ansible or Bash, however you want to write it, um, a, a uh, operational piece of logic that handles things like installation, upgrades, backups, HADR kind of things for any of your services or applications that might be running in a Kubernetes environment. So that obviously relies on CRDs, uh, which just went GA a couple of releases ago in Kubernetes land. So it is really picked up momentum of late since CRDs have gone uh, GA. And uh, I am here to help you not struggle with it as much anymore. How about that? So we, we need to decouple this a little bit because mm -hmm. CRD is a custom resource definition, definition yes. uh, which basically is, I, I want to get to operators, we, but yeah, yeah, yeah. to do it, we need to, we need to start we need actually, some, I had a we need conversation some with somebody yeah. who was talking like, oh, we're talking operators. I'm like, well, what about CRDs? And they're like, I don't know. What are those? I'm like, oh, uh, really? Hmm, okay. Um, so let's start, <laughs> let's start with that. <laughs> Kubernetes, basically, a CRD is a way to extend the object space in Kubernetes, right? Right. That's the basic. So, and then when I, go ahead. So I, I like to think of a CRD as like, a, you know, create your own or BYO API, right? Like bring your own API, right? Like that's kind of what that's CR and CRD is going to actually do for you, right? And right. Uh, there's a lot of nuance in that. But yeah, go ahead. Well, so because, you know, when you add, but it's not really a full API, it's really just a object. I mean, it, the Kubernetes API is sort of like extend itself all over the place. Right. And this is like apps. controllers and CRs are just more ways to just build on top of the API, right? Um, and when I say BYO API, it's, it really depends on what you're trying to do with your operator too, right? Like if you're just trying to call out to like... Uh, on like an external load balancer or something to update like a service like IP address like yeah okay that's not you can do that with an operator but that's not necessarily right like the full capability of an operator either 
So but I'm, I'm still a little stuck on the CRDs, right? Because sure. the, the CRDs, there's my dog. Hey. Um, the CRDs are, you know, pretty flat objects, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I started to crack open operators and, and I, I basically came along a do not, thou shalt not use CRDs in a whole bunch of like, there's, there's a whole bunch of like rules, maybe they're being violated, but rules about, you know, CRDs should be, you know, not wrote, written that often, not very complex, not very deep. Yeah. They shouldn't be actions, they should be nouns, right? There's a, is that, is that still in sort of the, the current vogue of thinking? So I uh, just did a blog post with a coworker of mine or fellow Red Hatter, uh, Daniel Messer. You know, title is uh, Kubernetes Operators Best Practices. And, um, you know, there's, you need to have a reconciliation loop essentially, right? Like you have to watch for events. Um, you have to be able to, uh, you know, reconcile. You know, uh, you know, as things are happening, right? Like your operator has to be able to do things. You need to have, you know, some basic premises of, you know, validation, uh, you know, initializing resources and finalizing them and, you know, having ownership, you know, having that status managed, you know, basic things um, that we kind of like heavily imply. But, you know, as far as, you know, the CRs themselves and CRDs, they like you tr like literally everything in Kubernetes should be as simple as possible, right? So like business complexity is what adds uh, <laughs> to some of the, the problems that we see, right? Like we get that. Um, those, those darn business rules. <laughs> right, but like that's why operators exist too, right? Like we understand right. that you're gonna need backups and you're gonna need to be able to do like automated updates inside Kubernetes because you can, right? Um, you don't want to have to have a 14 step process or, you know, maybe run three or four different scripts to update something. You have to, you know, mm -hmm. embrace these cloud native things or these Kubernetes native primitives and use them to your advantage, if that makes sense. So, so that CRs makes, that themselves yeah. need to be clean and, you know, relatively simple because, well, why make it hard? Um, if you have, <laughs> sure. if you have too much operational knowledge, baked into your CR, you're going to have a lot of operational problems with it because you're going to have all these ifs or else's or, you know, all these weird things where instead of having one operator to do everything, you should have multiple operators to do a few things, right? You know, or application-based <laughs> operators. So for example, you see a lot of, you know, if you go to operatorhub.io, you see like an SCD operator or a Procona operator or a MongoDB operator. And that's gonna handle everything for, you know, like Procona extra DB cluster. It's going to handle, you know, CrunchyDB's Postgres implementation for HA on OpenShift, right? Like it's not gonna handle the etcd component of that and all these other bits and pieces. It's going to, only manage the app and let Kubernetes take care of the rest. So, but that, I mean, it's the operator that's doing the management. So we have this, you know, thin um, interface point, an, an object mm -hmm. to write, you know, hey, I need a database, I need it to be this. The operator's watching for an event, so basically that, <laughs> that model changes. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the operator, so there's a, there's a pod. I mean, operators really code in a pod, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's a tiny executable essentially running inside your cluster that looks for events 
and then you know you you basically declare your state and your CRD, and it sees an event that uh, you know implies a state change, and then does something, right? Makes perfect sense. And then, yeah. So you're so when you you write data into that CRD, that's your that's sort of your your control point. Mm-hmm. The the operator program watches for that that thing to happen. It says, oh, I now need to take some action, some state change. It goes and does the set up a database, talk to etcd, run a, I saw some that run Ansible. Yeah, you can run Ansible playbooks, yeah. Um, HashiCorp just announced one that runs Terraform plans, I think, or actually interfaces to their Terraform cloud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I read that last week. Yeah, um, no, they're like, everybody's making operators now. Like everybody's <laughs> everybody's popping them out, and so yeah. and then so it take, takes some it does that it does the thing, mm-hmm. and then it writes data back to that CRD and says I did the thing. Yeah, essentially, it you know events out that I did this thing. Here is the status done. You know, ex, you know, execute next thing or you know continue waiting for events that kind of deal. Okay. Um, the the implied uh, you know idea is that like the should it should feel like. If this were, you know, a much, you know, simpler, you know, less complex system that wasn't running as fast that like this is almost like a CLI kind of experience where you hit, you know, do something. Okay, now echo dollar sign question mark, right? Like you want to have that kind of experience with the operator itself and that Unix kind of philosophy to um, just do the thing, give me the output, and then let me act on that if I need to. So, I mean, the. I guess when I think of that, I mean, it makes sense to me that you're, you're basically, it's a, I, you know, we would describe that in, in Rack and Team as a wall and you're writing a request on the wall, <laughs> something's monitoring the wall, it goes off, takes actions. Is it good practice to have the operator come in and say, hey, I got the ball, I'm working on it, like there's an intermediate, I mean, there's, there's all these messaging requirements to make something like the scale where you're saying, you know, you, you have some interlocks and you have like a, you, you gave me a request. I saw it. I'm telling you I'm in, in the middle. It did it. It didn't do it. It failed. Mm-hmm. Or, or is that left to each operator to build or is there a emerging pattern? So there's quite a few like ways to do it. Um, ways to build an operator. Um, and we have, you know, levels of maturity. We have a maturity model. Uh, I don't necessarily like, love the layout of it or anything or like some of the terminology but like we have phase one to phase five like phase five is called autopilot which that includes horizontal and vertical scaling and you know scheduled tuning and all this other you know like anomaly detection everything you know ai and so like that's like high high in the sky autopilot like legit like you know level five like driving type tesla thing so that's you know that's very hard to like operationalize but people can do it um, but but for the operator or for the operator, it's for the thing the operator is affecting or the operator itself? The operator can affect the thing, right? Like the operator is in charge of touching a thing. In general, it is, you know, a service or an application. Uh, okay. So like the operator touches the database. And if it is a, you know, let's say phase three lifecycle, you know, you handle the application lifecycle, storage, backup, failure, recovery, that kind of thing. Right. So it's watching for an event. It sees, Hey, all pods down. Okay. Bring all the pods back up. Um, or it sees, um, you know, Hey, uh, you know, 
a persistent volume just attached. Uh, you know, we, we out of discs, you know, go find another volume somewhere, get more discs somewhere, you know, add the persistent, add more persistent volume if needed kind of thing, right? You can do that uh, with an operator and say, okay, give me a backup here and then be done. Um, the so idea that is that you layer these uh, things step by step, right? Like you get the installation done, then you get the upgrade done, then you figure out how to do all the backup and failover. What, what you're describing is actually using operators to manage the Kubernetes cluster itself in that case. So they would they not would necessarily, have... you can manage uh, all the apps with an, you know, an operator as well, right? Like if I'm doing application delivery, I want to be able to do that with an operator. I want to be able to do essentially everything with an operator, right? Like it's kind of trying to be that Swiss army knife for hmm. Kubernetes application and service management. Which, which makes sense. I mean, I know that Red Hat's, OpenShift, the new version of the OpenShift installer is very operator focused, right? It's it's mm -hmm. a, it's a chain of operators, right? Sort of um, being one to another. Like if I install like an OpenShift cluster with all the bells and whistles, there's I think just under 200 operators running on that, right? I'm talking with serverless, with monitoring, with everything running okay. on that cluster, uh, and all those operators are doing is making sure that the declared state for every service on the cluster is running and that includes things like Knative, the dashboard, the, you know, Kiali, the whole nine yards, all the, you know, all the projects underneath the hood are all using operators and interacting with each other with operators, the entire installation process operators. It's, it, we're all in on the operator pattern and, you know, that's, that's paying off for us in the ways that, you know, like going all in on Linux did. Mm. Um, in the sense of, you know, these, these operators, I like to, you know, like that's the LS command. That's the, the unique command. That's the, the CD command, right? Like these are the, the Kubernetes Unix-like tools of the future, I feel like. I guess, I mean, when I, when I think about, though, and that number of operators, that then somewhere you're going to have to have a, a view panel that basically shows you, you know, all the CRDs, and then somehow you have to know what, what pods are backing the CRD and if there's issues, you have to see that it's there or that's working. The operator does that. The operator, you don't, you don't necessarily care about which pods are, what you, the person, the human operator, do not necessarily care about, you know, which pods are running where. The operator manages that. You tell the operator, this is how I want this, right? Through the, it's, through the, through the CRD. But right. I mean, I've, I've been troubleshooting, you know, Kubernetes stuff. It's, you know, if something's not working, you are you are trying to figure out you know what's what's going on. You're you know doing logs against containers to try and figure mm -hmm. out you know, what what errors they're throwing. It feels you know it feels like magic, which can be awesome when it works, and you know very hard to understand when it doesn't. I think yeah, like any what's the quote? Any any technology is indistinguishable from magic or whatever. The mm -hmm. the I think there's a lot of that in Kubernetes in general right now, and I. Yeah. think your you know frustration is you know merited and your your questioning is you know with reason because a lot of it does seem a little magical at times and it just you know the the idea of crds i think in general is magical in, in the sense because you have to wrap your mind around the idea that you're creating something out of nothing right like you're literally writing like text in a yaml file and creating an object in kubernetes with it and you you know out of thin air you have now created this thing right like so 
like wrapping your mind around that and then saying, okay, now since I can create this thing, I can now do all these other things with it with just a little bit of code or Ansible or whatever I need to do and this operator framework SDK. Um, and then you can actually, you know, package and productize your operator. And I know that's kind of a big deal for you. Uh, that, you know, having something to run on top of Kubernetes was a discussion the last time we talked, right? Like, yeah. is there a killer app for Kubernetes? No, but there are some really killer like operators out there right now. That's for sure. I, I guess. So, so there's, there's a question in my mind, cause some of what you're describing, I'm like, I thought Helm was going to be the way that we mm-hmm. would deliver apps into Kubernetes, but Helm is very much like an installer. It doesn't yeah, really I, operationalize it. And so, right. Like I look at Helm as right. Like, like it is, it is the, uh, you know, the, the tar, you know, the tar and gzip mm-hmm. of the, the, the Kubernetes world, right? Like it's going to get me the download and the, the up and running of the thing. Um, once well, I get to that like point, should become I, the thing that installs the operator for your application. Uh, right. Well, so you can build operators, with Helm, um, okay. you know, there's that capability there, but because of, you know, some limitations in Helm, you can't necessarily do like, you know, alerting and, you know, logging and everything inside, right. you know, Helm. So the, the operator well, with, takes with, that. With Tiller being, I mean, it, it's fine to me. It sounds almost like, oh, we killed Tiller in Helm too and said, oh, we don't want that stuff anymore. And then it's like, oh, but we needed it. Let's do operators. I mean, is, is that... I mean, that's, that's entirely possible that operators, you know, were the answer to Helm and Tiller, right? Like there was, you know, with reason, some concern around Tiller for, you know, security reasons. And that's why in Helm 3, it's gone. And you know, right. I'm all for that. That was a lot of work. And like, I'm very thankful for it because Helm 3 is now like something that I can go to people and say, yeah, just use this, right? Like, this is what you need to solve this problem. Right. right. You don't, you don't. Whereas before it was like, you, you have to use this. Oh, and there's the security concern. And now you have to go through all these hoops to get this, you know? So fair enough. But I mean, our, our, our operators, you know, somebody's going to be like, Oh, pop in this operator. And you're like, wait, wait, wait what? So it, yeah, no, there's right now, I think, uh, for, uh, you'll forgive me on the versions, uh, in OpenShift four, uh, originally, like every operator ran as cluster admin, and we know that that's not going to fly, right? Like we know that we want you know very specific project teams to be able to write their own operators, so that's right. getting baked in, uh, you know, that fine grained RBAC control, <clears throat> having it so it's not running as cluster admin is very important to us. So it's either this version that has just been released or it's just coming out, uh, either four three or four four, I think is where we're doing that, um, if unless it's been pushed somehow. Uh, but yeah, like that's a very, very valid concern, right? Like we don't necessarily like want to have to have a cluster admin managing hundreds of operators for people because, you know, in theory, it should be a very kind of GitOps kind of flow, right? Like I check in some code uh, mm. and it kind of just goes off and running. But if you don't have that flow set up yet, you're kind of going to have to hand it to somebody to say, please instantiate my operator, right? And, and update it you know as needed kind of thing right so well, yeah that's, that's gets, definitely gets, a concern actually get weird because your operator could then do a you know docker pull um mm-hmm. you know and i i say docker pull very specifically because i'm implying that it's coming from you know some hub somewhere that you might not know that's there it's not you know a nice safe hodman like you know 
local local repo. Yeah, like I mean, ultimately, like that's the you know some of the best practices too, right? Like you have to have that you know security best practice of having you know that local trusted repository or some trusted repository doesn't necessarily have to be local, but a trusted repository. Right. Like you're not pulling directly from the Internet or if you are, there's a proxy there that's actually doing something for you kind of deal Um, like those things still need to be managed. Right. Like you still have to have those good, clean practices, even in your operators. So, yeah, like having a testing framework. uh, We're working on some things with a project that Ansible acquired. It's called Molecule. Right. Like having that testing framework in place with the operator SDK is very important to like give you that kind of idea of best good thing or not best good thing so yeah we definitely recognize that this while this is new stuff there are some definite uh concerns around security and best practices and we're working on that um but yeah like there's there's a lot that you can do with an operator there's a lot of mistakes you can make with kubernetes and (laughs) we don't necessarily stop you from doing that Right. And that's what I mean, because I'm, I'm watching operators come in and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of enthusiasm for them. And so mm-hmm. we're sort of getting to a point where we're, you know, we're like, oh, I'm popping in an operator and I'm, I'm you know, I'm watching some people um, build up, you know, CRDs and their CRDs are starting to look like um, the subway map in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I don't I don't think that's the right, you know, and with no. any, with any yeah. pattern, things things get to be you know, they, they get, they get pulled back. We figure out what the right things are. Well, remember, uh, you know, when Kubernetes kind of, you know, blew up on the scene, we had this question of, is it going to be a lot of small clusters or mm. a few big clusters? And I we're kind wrote of seeing, an article about exactly that. Yeah. Right. Like we saw initially it was big clusters at first and now it's gone to these very small, like, you know, almost specialized clusters where it's not just necessarily prod or dev it's, no, I've got like my app is in a cluster by itself because this application team needs cluster admin. So pff, we gave them a whole cluster. We realized that there's a, a overhead in that and that's part of the operator, you know, making it so you don't have to have cluster admin permissions to do that. Right. And um, one, thing, one thing I like about the cluster, pa- the, 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 the pattern is if you define a CRD, that becomes your interface spec. So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care what the, you know, the black box implementation is behind the scenes. I'm going to write data to the to the CRD, and good things are going to happen, right? The the an early definition, I think it was Brian Gracely was had a um, interview about this um, on the the uh, his cube cuddle uh, pod cube pod pod cube pod CTL pod CTL. Thank you, pod cuddle, um, of course, and <laughs> a religious words again, and so. Um, but it was like, oh, this allows us to abstract out getting a database. Because if you're in a cloud provider, you can use their native build me a database thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the CRD should remain the same. And I, I was, that's very, very compelling. Right. In that. So, right. Like if I'm, if I am using like cloud services, right? When I say cloud services, I'm talking about like AWS S3 or, uh, you know, MSSQL in Azure land, S3 right? S3. Like I want to be able to manage those things with tooling that I'm already using and not have to pull in, you know, like a third party thing. You know, obviously there's, you know, there are CLI tools for individual user management. And I would rather have a operator maintain that for me as opposed to trying to maintain that like in something else, right? Like I already have to have all this Kubernetes YAML. Right. Do I need another tool to manage my Kubernetes YAML? 
and you know, on top of everything else, of or should I just you know, continue <laughs> making operators to do these things that you know are for operational logic to be done with? Right. Well, and and in those cases, it ends up being very skinny, because really what you're doing is the operator is providing a, a translation layer between the CRD and the backend. Right. It's not implementing the database stuff. I, I think the thing I've started to see creep in is the operators are actually the app in a lot of cases. Yeah, and that's kind of like that's where it's very much like out of <laughs> out of like what I would call like a good practice, uh, yeah. not even best practice, right? Like if you have an application that is sitting sitting in a CRD, right? Like that's kind of uh. uh very, very, very uh, flaky ground to be standing on. If that, if that makes sense, right? Like, that if you have that, that all you're the, actually, you're actually helping me feel better about the pattern. I'm like, I am not comfortable with, you know, writing an a whole application as an operator. That's no, like, as. if like, your application needs to have its own stuff, right? Like, your operator should then instantiate your application, or you know, instantiate logging for that application or instantiate, you know, just backups or whatever, or, you know, all those things manage your application or manage that service that you're standing up. Use that. That makes sense. Use that operator to do management of service, right? Like if you're going to have a person do this backup, program the operator to do it. If you're going to have someone do this failover, program an operator to do the failover. Gotcha. But but yeah, this, so this this comes back to my troubleshooting question. So if you're troubleshooting an application and you have to interface with the operator to do it, then something, something's wrong in the design. You're saying, look, go to your application, figure out your application making it work. The operator should basically be sitting in between to issue the instructions. So if you're doing a failover, the operator is not doing the failover. It's just shimming commands forward, basically. No, the op like okay. So when you say the operator, are you talking about the code operator or the human operator? The code operator. <laughs> yeah. So if you're doing a failover, right? Like you should be telling the operator to do a failover. If that right. makes sense, right? Like you're not like consider it as like the 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 Ansible or the Terraform or the the, the chef of your app in Kubernetes at that point, right? Like okay. you want to use that automation tool to do the things as opposed to you doing them yourself. Okay. So, I mean, in some ways it sounds, it's not, I know it's, it's not like this. It's not a script wrapper. No. It really is an inner, it, it really Well, it is. can be if you really, if, if that's all you need to do is run a script, it can just do that. But it's, it can do way more than that, right? Like you can write full Go, like you said, you can write full Go apps and, you know, to be able to do this for you if you need it to. Hmm. So, so for example, I, if I have a really gnarly like database set up and I have to execute all these things and do a number of, you know, checks uh, on different outside external services before I can say, you know, you know, flip off this database service. Um, you know, you would write potentially Go code for that or, you know, some other kind of, you know, code base to that. And yeah, that would look kind of like an app, but if it's, you know, needed to check everything off your operational box first, then you're going to need to write an app. I, but, I remember watching Kelsey Hightower at the first KubeCon actually show like single run containers that would do use cases like that though. I mean, is, you know, why is, why is the operator better than just, you know, writing a, a short lived pod for just to, just to run a script? In that case? Well, the operator is going to be, you're not going to run, like if you need to do something one time, 
hopefully okay. you don't do it with an operator, right? Like this would be something that you would normally do upgrades, backups. Ah, uh, okay. So you are, we're, we're doing a consistent stuff. pattern. This is it's declarative, right? You're declaring state okay. as a pattern in Kubernetes clusters or across clusters. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the things that occurred to me when I was thinking about this the other day, and I want to bounce off you is it feels sort of like a stored procedure to me, which, hmm. Which Maybe. isn't necessary, right? And and here's why. So, I have I write I have a I have data somewhere, and then something gets triggered based on a change to that data. Action magic happens. It might actually write back to that that data that I had. It might take other actions, side effects in the system, um, and you know, and so it's it's sort of decoupled from the data, but it's triggered by the data. Um, and it it there was a part of my brain that said that's a SQL trigger. Kind of. I mean, instead of like data, right, like stored in the database, uh, it is events or, you know, triggers in Kubernetes logs or, you know, it's watching for something happening. So, yeah, instead of like acting on data when touched, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> acting on events when triggered. So there's a lot of similarity there, you know, okay. on a generic level. Yeah. I, it's, it's an interesting you know, thing to me because I, I used to do a lot of SQL uh, stored procedure programming and it's mind-blowingly powerful. It's back to the magic. Right. Thing. You're like, oh yeah, just write a, something in this table and, you know, all sorts of magic, all sorts of good things happen in the background. And uh, at the same time, it was, it, it you had, it, had to be very using careful. It. Yeah, you had people abusing it. Now, I remember I worked for a, a data center company that had a ton of stored procedures in their, uh, MSSQL database. Oh, sorry, my family just came home. Um, the amount of logic that you put in there is at your own risk, if that makes sense. Do you want to wait for my dog to stop? No, oh, I, we're about to wrap up. So okay, I, we're we're right at the the time, and you have been you know a true gentleman in in allowing me to poke holes. And, <laughs> and, this is actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, I, I this is this. I mean, I. The pattern is powerful, and that's right. clear. And I also feel like it's confusing because I feel like we're just at a point now where everybody's like, well, I'm going to rub an operator on it, and it's going to be... Oh, amazing. yeah. But it has a purpose. That purpose is very well-defined, you know, if, if you so seek out that definition, right? Um, you, you can go outside of that definition. Sure, nothing's going to stop you, but there's inherent risk there. So where should somebody go? As a, so as a, first stop to help us wrap out right like first stop i would encourage you to go to operatorhub.io that is all the operators that are like certified or community uh you know donated or you know presented uh and available pretty much to run in any cluster but you know specifically designed uh for openshift if they're quote certified red hat uh you know operators but um these can run in any kubernetes cluster essentially uh with you know a little magic extra you know stuff running and uh from there uh i would check out the openshift.com blog and there's a whole section for operators there that we've done a lot of work around and uh last but not least always check out the actual original uh core os operators post the core os blog introducing operators they've been talking about it for a long long time so 
2016. Yeah. Part of a big vision for how CoreOS looked at Kubernetes um, from the very, very early days. So this isn't this isn't a, a a recent thing. This has gotten a lot of thought, and of course, if you're interested in something beyond operators, DevOpsish. How do people get the newsletter? Right, you're so you're, yeah, the newsletter. On that. Yeah, so it's newsletter's going strong. Uh, I'm super happy with it. Done some recent changes around privacy and you know simplifying the layout, making it easier for me to write and folks not have to worry about their data getting slurped up and all that fun stuff. So yeah, go to devopsers.com slash subscribe and you know, subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get it every Sunday morning, you know, right when you're waking up, hopefully. And you know, you can digest it throughout the week and get up to date on all the DevOps and cloud native and open source fun going on in the industry. Awesome. Chris, thank you. This has been everything I was hoping. Um, I feel smarter, which is always good. good. For a, I'm, I'm glad. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks.